That was beautiful. That was lovely. Really great, Lisa. Lovely, everybody. And how Lisa just love kind it. of got control her own laughter out of her own That was unreal. Listen, I laugh at everything. Anybody who knows me knows I laugh at everything to it's the true. point where like I'll laugh at all of your jokes like honestly I will like and mm -hmm. it's not a fake laugh I'll really laugh at all your jokes and people have been like are you laughing at me and I'm like no I'm laughing at your joke but they didn't believe in their own joke hello and welcome to murder husbands an in-depth episode-by-episode discussion of Brian Fuller's Hannibal based on characters from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are Popsicle, a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations for big stories. I, of course, am the OG, Kelly Sue. As always, I am joined by my illustrious Popsicle co-hosts. First up is Claire, representing all the gangsters from across the world. What's up, girl? Uh, I feel like I should reply with a certain lingo there, and I don't have I don't have any of that. In it's worse when you try to. Yeah, it's worse when, when you try and you don't. So. I know. It's yeah. Justin's <laughs> nodding. Oh, <laughs> better better just face up to it. Yeah. I, yeah. Yep. Own it. Yeah. Lisa K. Weber, my darling love. She's hitting them corners in them lolos, girl. <laughs> Hello there. It's me. <laughs> I feel like oh, answering Justin Peniston. He still wears his khakis with a cuff and a crease. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you go, girl. Go oh, ahead. Go man. ahead. Oh, and finally, we have Phil, who's yeah. still got love for the streets, repping 213. Yo. Yes. Did yes. You watch the, um, is this because you know, watched the Super Bowl halftime? Almost no one on this yeah. watches sports or yeah. freaking. Yeah. You know, that's, that's all halftime shows. Or is into 90s, you oh, know, West Coast yeah. hip hop. Listen, but, you know. I watch football for the butts. <laughs> for the butts. Yeah. For the butts. That's for a, the butts. That, that is a true Bob's Burgers oh. answer right there. And yeah. it, it is a plethora. No, this. Uh, I <laughs> am low key dedicating this episode to. Dr. Dre and Snoop to Punk. that incredible halftime show that gave God me serious life um, at the beginning of this week when we were recording this episode. So <laughs> if you're listening to this, you haven't watched that, go ahead and watch it and then enjoy the intros this week. I hope y'all did. <laughs> Shoulder shimmy. Before we dive into our discussion of this episode that has literally nothing to do with West Coast rap, Claire and Phil will take us through a quick recap of this episode, Aperitivo. Welcome to what might be the dreamiest episode of this show. A lot of things happen, but wow, is it tough to see who's coming or going, alive or dead, asleep or awake. We start with a flashback of our favorite dandy, Frederick Chilton, getting a bullet through the face. After seeing everything that happens to his head, we see him alive and well and talking to our favorite shit stain, Mason Berger. Hello, recasting. They discuss their respect respective disfigurements at the hands of Hannibal and both allude to equally respective plans for revenge with a capital R. Frederick then goes to see Will with a bouquet of flowers and Will is like, oh, I was hoping for someone else. 
but Chilton takes it in stride as he teases him about his breakup with Hannibal. Kick him when he's down. It must have stressed Will out because he melts into a dream of killing Jack with Hannibal, but then he's awake again, welding an engine? And Jack shows up and is like, I know you called him. And Will says, he's my friend and I wanted to run away with him. Slow down so that I can catch my breath. Next, we get a flashback of Alana falling out of the second story window with her skeleton. Her hips shatter and we see her back in real life, laying half naked with pins through her pelvis. Also, everyone's hospital room looks like the Hollywood arc light. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so true. Uh, um, and guess who? A Chilton shows up, the nerve of this motherfucking asshole and starts being all like Berger hates me but we need to stay close to him and Alana says I'll hit him up as soon as my body works again thanks for the flowers idiot now it's Jack's turn for a flashback we see him on the other side of the pantry door with his blood in zero g before he wakes up and sees Bella beside him she says that he's lucky he can cut out the things that are killing him but you know he's not gonna Back at the FBI, Chilton visits Jack and continues his obsessive campaign to find Hannibal. Jack is like, I want no part of it, and expresses his sole desire to care for Bella. Shortly after, Bella finally succumbs to her cancer, leaving Jack to his grief and the arrangements for her funeral. After choosing her dress and dreaming of her walking down the aisle, he kisses her forehead at her wake and notices a note from Hannibal arranged, arranged in her flowers. The man will sacrifice his drama for not one soul, dead or alive. Will shows up to discuss Hannibal and Jack. Wait, Will shows up to discuss Hannibal, of course, and Jack has to be low-key seething at the audacity of these two before being like, dude, goodbye. We're back to not Michael Pitt as Verger, getting a creepy-ass face massage from his creepier physician, Cordell. He must be the updated version of Carlo because Mason is like, make arrangements to have Hannibal Lecter eaten alive. And Cordell responds by asking how he wants him prepared. A spicy. And speaking of spice, Alana Bloom arrives for her first session with Mason, looking all bright red film noir with a pimp cane and all. Verger basically asks her to help him lure Hannibal to be eaten. And she's like, yeah, all right. It was a busy day for her because right after this, she's snooping around Will's house and she's met by Jack. They both learn that Will is gone, but also both know where he went to propose to his murder boyfriend. We end with Will hopping into a ship and sailing off. And if y'all think that I'm going to believe that Will Graham crossed the ocean a fucking skiff to get to Italy, you are correct. I have never noticed that before that he I had like I hadn't I, either watching it again last night I was what like wait he fuck? fucking sailed mm -hmm. to Europe to Europe that... of course he did he grew up on boats yes yep. yeah and that's how you avoid getting <sighs> tagged at like airports and I mean there's a practical yeah. reason but there's also a very romantic uh I'm going to go after my ex reason romantic and, you know, as hell yes yeah I've, I've always sailed wanted... across oceans of time to find you. <laughs> yes. yes. That's what yes. I'm talking about. I've <laughs> always wanted to go like do an Atlantic crossing, like to go to a, for Europe, like on it, but like no. not on a Lusitania or Titanic. No. Listen, I like, was just... on a cruise ship one time. Justin is like, absolutely horrible. No, I wouldn't be on no. a, yeah. give, me, give me the shortest possible way across. Exactly. Don't do it. Well, I, I, is that, Don't do it. Is that motor that he's working on? That's the ship's motor, right? 
I bet it is. Yeah. Oh, who knows? Yeah, yeah. 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 it's it's the, it's, 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 it's the it's the outboard for the yeah. for the yeah. interesting because the boat yeah. was in the background of that. <laughs> Kelly Sue shaking her head. It doesn't matter. It's a. It doesn't like. <laughs> We're in backwards yeah. land in this episode because I'm like, I'm you sure sorry. are. What? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I thought for the episode, because they knew it was coming, right? For this season, the episode where it's like, okay, we're going to have to catch up with everybody else in one episode. And Brian Fuller's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go balls to the fucking wall. Yeah. And nobody's going to know what the hell is happening, but they'll walk away with a few key points which is what we're going to talk about in this episode today. So what are our thoughts on where the rest of the cast has ended up? Because this is the first time that we're, I mean, we saw Jack a little bit uh, last episode, but we're really seeing the, we're seeing where everybody was left after Hannibal, including Chilton, Alana, the Vergers, et cetera. So, I mean, tell me. (laughs) My first thought my first thought watching this again was, yeah, is Phil at all surprised that Chilton is still alive? Oh yeah, uh, I was. I was not surprised that Chilton. I guess Chilton was still alive because um, oh, we never okay. saw a body. And if we don't see a body, it's most likely mm-hmm, the character's still mm-hmm, alive. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like seeing. I, I, I flinched at seeing <laughs> the intrusiveness of Hannibal's injuries on everybody. Um, I, I, but I think from a filmmaking standpoint, maybe it was important to see it being so intrusive. Like he has, he is still there in all their lives, regardless of where he's actually at. Um, they all have left, matching he's left stars, his mark. Yes. You know, indeed, yes. Indeed. yes. Um, so it was upsetting to see all that again and, and to see it in a more, you know, intense way, but, uh, you know, ultimately, I guess, sort of important to put you back in their headscapes right away. Um, removing the makeup scene was gross uh and wonderful um you know all that stuff yeah yeah uh, i it, it's interesting to see how everybody's jilted in in their own way over hannibal as well like they're all in a, in a certain sort of way jilted lovers they all felt like they were maybe the most important part of hannibal for a while and you know he's like yeah um <laughs> uh this yeah this new alana is uh interesting but uh uh you know this is where alana became like the most interesting yeah to me yeah agreed absolutely Um, agreed agreed Agreed. and and it's like the shit she is done and the fact that it's like and her whole like new style and i also kind of like that it's like preceded with um her being at the hollywood arclight healing and um (laughs) so great and she's talking about how, like, you know, the doctors told her, like, a bunch of marrow got into her blood, and so she should expect to be thinking differently, mm-hmm. um, and, which is, so, what a weird concept. Can you imagine being told, like, oh, expect to be thinking differently from now on? What does that even fucking mean? <laughs> how am I supposed to know? It's Especially me. in the context of this show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm exactly. thinking differently. <laughs> so I like that that's kind of like in the mix that kind of little fact um yeah as she kind of shows up to the Verger estate and like in like you know the full kind of like done out like Hannibal style mm-hmm. you know with the hair all perfectly quaffed mm-hmm. and she's not wearing these like pretty little wrap dresses anymore she's like fully structured 
and she's like the lighting and the makeup. It's like, she's paler. She's more severe. Yeah. Um, like she's putting this front up, like I'm untouchable. Like I'm not, I'm not here for anybody's bullshit anymore. Least mm-hmm. of all Mason fucking vergers. <laughs> I love how she's just like, I'm not afraid of you, dude. Yeah. yeah. And the way that she just stands awesome. there as he like insults her and then starts like un- uncontrollably coughing. And she's mm-hmm. just like, yeah. The Can most, I just say the most- that, the, that, <laughs> oh that God, Mason amazing. Berger spitting up in that scene <laughs> is arguably grosser. Like I can't watch that scene. I have a thing with spit. <laughs> I can watch, disgusting. I can watch disgusting. the eating his nose part, but the spitting up, I'm just like, <laughs> Oh, oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> Yuck. I, the only person alana really allows herself to be vulnerable in a vulnerable sort of place around is will when she comes mm-hmm. up in a wheelchair and she's uh, yeah 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 she hasn't been she's... fully transformed at that point yet yeah. her yeah. becoming is not quite finished at that moment <laughs> right i i i in watching this episode again I am going to argue for it being one of my favorite episodes of the series, I think, just for Hmm. the fact that A, it's bold and it's like, we're just going to step outside and just do this thing now. Totally. Oh yeah. I love it. But I love, I, I think each of these like vignettes, it feels like we, we move from, you know, a set setting to a setting, um, they're so beautiful the the entirety of how they deal with Bella and her death and Jack and the wedding dress and the it's just yeah absolutely beautiful yeah. all of these scenes are filled with so much emotion and I love that there's this sense like I love that they juxtapose Frederick Chilton the way they do and him going from person to person to person and him being mm-hmm. kind of the framework of the show, because it, mm-hmm. it gives you this, it gives me this feeling of like everybody else is still in this fugue state where they're in shock still, yeah. where they haven't quite come back to themselves and, and mm-hmm. processed anything, but Frederick Tilton, you know, he got damaged a little earlier. He's had a little more time. He's so ready he's to like, go. I'm yeah, ready, he's to, ready go, to go guys. Like wake on. up everybody. Yeah. Like, yeah get, your, yeah. get your rebounding done and let's, let's, let's move on people. Well, and that's, that's actually really interesting. Claire, you almost cleared my second question, but we can kind of combine these two because similarly to this episode, these questions are not structured at all in a mm-hmm. linear way. Um, that was one of the things that I felt when I was watching it, which is like, is this sort of like an artistic representation of the fact that everybody is so incredibly traumatized in the wake of what has happened with Hannibal that even they're like, I don't know if I'm dreaming or I'm awake and I don't know if I'm alive or dead. And I have no idea where I'm going or where I'm coming from, which is totally the way that it feels once you have sustained, you know, any experience of of trauma Mm -hmm. and I love that uh I love that Claire that notion that Frederick being the one who took the bullet the earliest is the one who's here kind of threading the needle for everybody like oh here's where we are in time and space and how funny it is that the person who's like leading us down the primrose path mm-hmm. is Frederick yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. and I love the idea that I love the idea because we've seen what will was what's in will's head during yes. that waking up first scene and I love the idea that he may 
not even remember Frederick Chilton being there at all. Yeah. Like, and I love, I love the way Alana doesn't like, she's in this contraption that kind of looks like a halo around her vagina. Like it's just like, (laughs) it's, it's, it has this like religious overtone Uh to me. And then her attitude during that discussion is just like, Hey, I'm hanging out. Like she's got the good drugs, you know, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, she does. And then Jack coming to, and I really do feel like that's a dream because who having survived what he did would be in a bed next to a dying person and like, holding yeah. it. like it, yeah. that doesn't feel real to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but his like, just, I feel like he's having this like rebirth moment of just like yeah. the sense of awe of like, yes. Oh my God, I, I understand life now. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's so wackadoodle. It's oh, amazing. I love yeah. it. And I love that entire I, sequence, like of the zero G blood. And yeah. it's like, I, I read that moment as like, that he died in that moment. He did die in yeah. that moment. Yeah. Um, and the, the visual like, felt like like a galaxy, right? Like you feel like yeah, it's totally oh, I'm in a yeah. planetarium. Yeah. Justin, yeah. talk to me. Um, from the perspective of being a storyteller, I found this technically. I found this a really effective way to show the passage of time mm-hmm. between mm. seasons two and three. Great. Yes. No, Agreed. I like they did like they made really smart choices to just say time is passing here you know the most obvious to me which was seeing alana's progress going from bedridden to wheelchair and bound to on a cane Mm -hmm. um i uh i really liked the thing that stood out to me as the weirdest was treating us because this didn't seem like an episode from Will's perspective, much at all, really. Yeah. So it was weird to me that we saw Abigail Hobbs, mm-hmm. you know, to, to not much purpose, you know, like it wasn't really, I mean, I guess it might've helped for those people who were not, for those people who need their hands held, it might've said, this is a flashback. This is, you know, this is yes. what happened before episodes one, two, and three. Um. I um so 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 I really like that. Um I really like that um and I think I can say this I don't feel like it's spoilery and if it is I apologize Phil. But I'm really struck by how Brian Fuller had this plan going forward that he was going to do something to fuck up Chilton every season. <laughs> you know he was yes. gonna fuck up children a little bit more every season like and then he was gonna survive like that's just you know he's <laughs> yes. gonna, you know, and, and i think that's uh hilarious and awesome yes um <laughs> not spoilery at all i do feel very much that jack's waking up next to bella was real and not a dream um just because then their beds are shown like the way they are in the bedroom going forward you know um I, uh, man, the stuff with Jack and Bella fucking hit me where I live, dude. Yeah. It was so yeah. like yeah. powerful. Yeah. Um, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, it was so, it's so, you know, grief is a funny thing and it's important and we have to go through it. We all have to go through it. We all have to experience it and we all have to 
kind of do it in our own way, at our own pace. But the world doesn't really give a shit about your grief. And the world will continue to spin on as you grieve. And, you know, sometimes that takes the form of, you know, Will Graham coming over to talk about Hannibal Lecter while you're freaking at your wife's funeral. <laughs> um, um, I, the thing about Alana Bloom that really struck me, and I agree with Lisa in that she, so this is where she starts to become truly interesting. And it's not, and maybe become interesting is the wrong word. She seems way less pathetic now. Mm-hmm. you know and it's like this experience was her coming of age moment you know she is actually stopped being a child because she was acting like a child before him too you know um you know her mind was closed she thought she was convinced she was of the rightness of her actions and now she's like you know way more in her own power you know and using what she's got mm-hmm. um and she always- actually has an agenda which she never seemed to have before you know like she wants revenge whereas before everything she seemed to want revolved around will and hannibal do you know what i'm saying she what she wanted for them well and the rule of law which she's much more comfortable being outside of now yeah for sure she wouldn't be outside of it at all before Yeah. Yeah. yeah i've seen her childness childishness before is being her always wanting things to be a certain way, but not willing to take action to make them that way, even though she supposedly feels very strongly about it. And clearly she is now ready to take, she is ready to put plans in motion and do things. Yeah, Yeah, to take some control. Well, I think that was highlighted for all characters in this episode that everybody is like i am very ready to take action against this man (laughs) everybody is coming for hannibal and has a plan and is like the way we get hannibal is follow will graham yeah (laughs) that's basically everyone's plan well i think right except for jack right except for jack jack is except for jack jack is jack is about will not about him yeah exactly Um, Exactly. Jack is the only one not wanting to exact any kind of revenge on Hannibal, but right. to rein in. Can well, we he just, learned his yeah. lesson. He's the only yeah. one because he mm-hmm. went in and he said, like in that in that moment he has with Will um, mm. in the beginning, yes. um, where he's like, I shouldn't have gone in alone, mm-hmm. you know? And he's like, well, yeah. fuck that up. But it's like he, through that experience and then everything that happens with Bella, it's like Mm -hmm. he's made his peace with all of it. And he's kind of like, I don't need any piece of it anymore, except now I have, yeah, this, I have this uh, purpose, which is to not catch Hannibal per se, but to save Will from. Yes. He's, he's finally a hundred percent true about yes. his claims to be thinking about will and being concerned about will's mm-hmm. well-being it's he's now in that and living it can we just take a moment and appreciate that the the writers of the show and the showrunner um foresaw all of philip's um thoughts and questions about will mm-hmm. making the phone call and saw fit oh, yeah. give us a scene in which Jack comes and asks Phil's question, like, what were you, I know you called him and what were you thinking when you called him? And we got a direct effing answer. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, it was like, they clearly like they, it's like clearly this question, it hangs over the whole thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the fact that they addressed it in that way, Yes. which I, I melted off my couch during that Oof. scene because yeah. he can barely like, get the words out. He's just, uh, he and then he says just, it and even I, he's surprised. Yeah. I decided when I heard his voice Yeah. and I, then I, saying, I wanted to run away with him. I just, mean, come on. come on. It just goes come to show on. you that will, that will <laughs> had no real idea what he wanted until yeah he wanted it until those moments for, occurred. Like that dude is so wishy-washy. Yep. He's such, you know, he's that guy, like he's, he's the partner where you're like, what do you want to eat tonight? Oh, I don't know. He's that, per, Whatever you, you know, eat. he's that person. But that's, until, I mean, that's a know. water sign for you. Yeah. I'm telling you like, what, he is yeah. water. Yeah. He is Shout water. Out. Oh, sorry, Phil. I don't mean you. I'm just <laughs> saying that like, whether or not you're a water sign, it's like, will is correlated with water from the mm-hmm. very beginning of yes. this show totally. and water is fluid will is fluid Fluid. that is that is one of my one of my favorite moments in this episode uh is the very operatic moment where they both slit jack's neck where they they both kind of Mm -hmm. because it's an opera like the music swells and there's this very slow motion kind of stuff going on Mm -hmm. and it's really Mm -hmm. this moment where jack is you're getting what happened to jack from his point emotionally from his point of view and and then that's what leads into their him walking up to Will and having that conversation with Will. I think it's also um, I just really want to bring up really I think it's quickly. From Will's point of view too. Oh yeah, also from from that, Will's point of view. Yeah. From that scene, mm-hmm. um, Will splitting himself. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's why I think that yes. there is that there a, is that scene. That, it's also from his point of view because he's splitting yes, himself he is. to like we were talking about the thought experiment, the mm-hmm. what if thought experiment. Yeah. Where he created yeah. a new reality where he yes. went with Hannibal. That was actually yeah. my, that was one of my favorite visuals entered of this episode. entered the multiverse. Yes. Yes, he did. And Kelly Sue, uh-huh. we need to see this Rick and Morty. I was just going to say, <laughs> I just watched the Rick and Morty show where he splits, they split the time. Oh man, oh, yeah. it's so so amazing, amazing, right? Everywhere. Eventually, you'll all get to read my <laughs> Rick and Morty Hannibal mashup, um, but yes. not now. <laughs> because we have to go to break. <laughs> uh, listen to some stuff that's important for you to hear and then come back and listen to what we have to say, which is even more important. See you in a minute. Hey, Fanables. If you're enjoying this conversation, which I believe you most certainly are, be sure to like and subscribe to Pop School on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you may listen. Check out our other ongoing show, That Episode Was, in which we've discussed Why the Last Man, the sixth season of Expanse, and may have another coming soon. Follow us at Popsicle Pod on all social media platforms or sign up for our newsletter at popsiclepod.com for all upcoming and ongoing podcast and related info. That's Popsicle Pod, P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D for do it. Okay, welcome back, where we are still talking about this crazy beautiful episode 
My third point today is no idea. I still don't even know what happened in this episode. Um, so I guess we can kind of just pick up where we left off before the break. <laughs> Listen, I, so we like uh, to just talk more about like what Claire was saying earlier. Yes, it's, uh, once again, this episode is an example of carrier bag fiction. Yes, Lisa. The timeline is not important. It's the exactly. collection of moments yes. that create the story, that create like the tapestry. Instead of yes. thinking of this uh, this particular episode as an arrow, it's a tapestry mm -hmm. and a beautiful one at that. It, yeah. you yes. know, it agreed. I think it's. I, it sits in the place of the favorite episode. That's the one that I am always going to go back to. Like if I want to watch any episode of Hannibal to just feel drenched in the characters again, this is the episode to go to. Like, I just love every single moment of the characters in this episode. It's it's Even though there's no Hannibal in this episode. No. I know. Yeah. And, and I'm just was thinking that that's true, but. Well, there, yeah, there is briefly, everywhere. he writes that like, letter. He's writing that. Oh, letter. right. For he's him, writing that, yeah. fucking he wrote... letter. that fucking letter pissed me off so much. Oh, like, I was just like, you petty me little. so happy though. I, I, well, I, I'm I, also I think... like, what? This isn't a wedding invitation. Yeah. Enough. <laughs> yeah. Like enough I, he wants to well, make it special I think, I think he feels like yeah. he is being genuine in that moment totally he doesn't understand how people like there's a, there's a disconnect in that man's brain where he doesn't understand how what he's doing is actually going to affect someone because he's being he's but being yeah, genuine under, he's being genuine yeah. he really did like Bella. Is he, he did like he Bella. understands oh. exactly what jack is thinking because in so when before the funeral kind of scene mm -hmm. jack is looking out the window and he's saying like bella's dead mm -hmm. the God. the view from here should be different so awful. Yes. um yeah. and like it, it's not right that it's the same after she's gone yeah. The piece that like what Hannibal wrote in that letter is a piece of a poem called A Fever um, by John Donne. And um, it Weird. gets at that exact <laughs> point. The point of A Fever of that poem is about like the world is different. If this person is gone, it's essentially the apocalypse. Like... And all these people are think like, you know, all these prognosticators and all these philosophers who are like thinking about the end of the world and thinking about the purpose of the world. Mm -hmm. They don't even know that the world ends if my love dies. And so it's like Hannibal as like, you know, he, he got to that exact point that Jack was talking about in his choice of what he wrote. And so I find that fascinating that it's like, there is still a connection. He's not yeah. just doing it to be shitty. Sure, sure. He's doing totally. it because he really does understand yeah. what Jack is thinking. Totally. He is the psychologist extraordinaire after all. He just doesn't know when he's not wanted. I guess, so let me say that. He doesn't. Mm -hmm. Well, like, yeah. oh, no. He, he's yeah. like, well, he's like, I'm, I'm Hannibal. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's what always, he thinks, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
He's like, I'm not gonna, I'm definitely not gonna like mail this to your home. I'm right. going to have somebody arrange it in your dead wife's funeral flowers. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, he probably sent the flowers. Yeah. Like, totally. yeah. yes, I believe he sent them. Oh, yes. No, he um, does. I, I. Are we, we, I feel like we are burying the lead a little bit in this episode. Oh, oh yes, let's Ooh, go. Yep, let's hear yes. it. And maybe, go. maybe this is going to be me transitioning early to Exquisite Corpse. We but... can totally do that now. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, we have not at all discussed the fact that Jack killed his wife. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that is, that, that is, yeah. Like, you know, and, and it's really interesting that Jack, who fought so hard before his experience with Hannibal, you know, to keep Bella alive, you know? Yes. And now, once he's back in control, after this experience, after dying and being reborn, you know, he feels the need to put Bella out of her misery, to kind you know, of get, to truly yeah, euthanize her. Yeah. You know, and it yes. is, uh, you know, I, I genuinely believe it's an unselfish act. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's, you know, born out of love. Um, and God knows this show is all about the relationship between love and murder, you mm -hmm. know, and it's really like on point. And you know, it's really, and this is where the exquisite corpse part of it comes in, because there's no Hannibal traditional tableau, so to speak, but there's the actual everyday tableau of preparing Bella's body for burial, you know, of picking out what she's going to wear, of her, her yep. being made up. And I was, I'm really struck because the word husband, you know, where it, while it means male spouse now, really more than anything else, Traditionally, it meant to safeguard, to preserve, you know, to care for, you know, the term animal husbandry is, you know, caring for your animals, you know, and he is literally in deciding to kill his wife, you know, so she's not dying from pain, you know, slowly, he is taking care of her, he is husbanding her mm -hmm. yeah. in the truest sense. And so it makes perfect sense that the images of her funeral are intertwined with images of them getting married. And it's not a flashback to their wedding because they're the ages they are now. There's no wedding guests. You know, it's just that showing that to me, what I saw was this act of, of murder was the act of a husband. Hmm. And I thought that was really awesome. Like really, yeah. really powerful. And yeah you know, and loving, so loving, you know. So loving. And so much about how we made the point earlier that Jack does not give two shits about Hannibal. No. You know, sure. that he is done with that shit. He has moved on. Oh, yeah. I, you know, you're, you're talking about this, Justin. It, it puts another, when, when Bella looks over at him when they're laying next to each other and she goes, you have the ability to cut out what's killing you. And they very well could mean her. Mm. She sure. could be very much like this is something sure. that she wanted was to kill herself yeah. and die because she knew well she wanted to choose her own terms on how she died but also because 
she's because she, her she didn't wasted wanna, away would just kill her husband. Would kill Jack. Yeah. And it was like it was pushing Jack into this realm of life that almost got him killed. Like because we can't say everything that he did uh to like going after Hannibal was just based on getting Hannibal. It was an emotional state that he was being put in because his life is over upturned because his wife got cancer and you saw that build up so beautifully over the seasons like his emotional state just kind of crumbling because of it and this sort of sense of uh, uh groundedness or making good choices um so i think yeah i, I think when she says that she could be very very well be talking about herself like well, such time to cut about her that, and that's really that's really beautiful yeah. and yeah. profound yeah um, um because i mean and she even says like you know you're not you're not going into the ground with me yeah you know yeah. so yeah that's the the last yeah. years of my mother's life were um spent on a feeding tube because she had cancer um and had had part of her jaw removed because of that and the decision to have her on that feeding tube was just difficult because and in the back of my mind the whole time it was always this understanding of like this she's not going to come off of this feeding tube and being on a feeding tube is not something you can sustain forever it's it is going to we know where this is going right and she you know, so, so the last years of her life were marked by my dad being by himself and having to feed her multiple times a day manually and really being just isolated. It was, it was this sense of like, he, he lived through like a COVID quarantine before there was a COVID quarantine because he, he was there a hundred percent of the time. And so this whole sequence about Bella and that issue of like coming to that place where you're okay and you understand what this act of grace is for this person um, and understanding that they also would express this, like, I don't want to put my loved one through this nightmare of care. Right. And you know, all of that was kind of overshadowed by, you know, religious beliefs and, and, you know, all of these other things, but it was, it's very notable to me that my dad and I, after she passed away, we both kind of like met in the middle about it in terms of like, we, we both, if we went back to do it over again, we would both make a very different decision about her going on that feeding tube. And I think she would as well. It, so there's some comfort there. And then I, I, but I love, I think saying all of that is going into the idea of the exquisite corpse um, and the preparation. I, like, I'm not, I'm not a proponent of like wakes, like open casket wakes. Sure. It is something that has been traditional in my family for ever um we did not do that with my mom yeah. um but and i don't want it done for me but i will say that one of the most 
impactful moments of my life was when my grandmother passed away, my maternal grandmother, and my mom and my aunt and I put, like we prepared her. We did the final, like putting makeup on and doing her hair, like Mm. the funeral home, let us come in and do that part of it. It was one of the most meaningful, bonding, emotional, healing experiences I've ever had in my life. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've said on this podcast that, and this is part of the reason why I cried when Jack showed up is that to me, Jack represents life. And I was saying before that Hannibal represents death, but I don't think that's true because I think as we see in this moment, death is a part of life and, and, and Jack recognizes that and he's, he's, he now recognizes that in letting Bella go and, and sort of that's allowing right. that what Hannibal represents is unnatural death. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. is kind of where I, I, I sit right now. So mm-hmm. just, yeah, it, I think, yeah, like seeing, seeing this balance kind of come back in the show with Jack again, Yeah. Going, and, and hearing him say, I broke will mm-hmm. and now I'm here for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah 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 it's the show does such an amazing job of um really kind of unfolding all of these complexities about life and death and love and what the right choice is and who's good and who's bad um and what it all came down to for me in this episode and in the episode before this one is that it is, it's almost like a story about intentions and how your entire world and experience of life shifts when your intention changes. Like Jack's intention for ending Bella's life is what makes it so intimate and beautiful and loving and special, right? He could have gone in there with a completely different intention and it would have been tragic and cruel and unkind, right? Um, And we see that with Hannibal where it's like his, we were just having a lively discussion recently about the intentions behind why he eats people and how that changes. But at the end of the day, like I think Phil is saying, um, there are certain things that we aren't that we can't really take into our own hands, which is what I think makes Hannibal such a force is that he's found these ways to control things that are not meant to be controlled by human mm-hmm. beings. Well, all of, all of the characters in this episode are coming to the realization that they need to forgive themselves for not being able to do what they quote unquote should have done at a certain point in time. And how as humans, we can't all, we can't always be in the right headspace at the right time of our life to be able to do, do something that we might regret later on. We we've got to give ourselves the grace to, to let that, to let that go. Grace, grace is such yeah. a huge part of this. Yeah. Grace, dignity. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, uh, Philip said, you know, Hannibal represents unnatural death, mm. which, you know, 
I, I, and I feel like I'm saying the the, the same thing because as soon as he said yeah. that, that word wrong with me is like is, un, is unnatural. And then I thought undignified. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and yeah. really, there is a certain level of one of the defining things about humanity because we're all going to die, just like every other animal. Mm-hmm. One of the defining things is that we can choose dignity, which yeah. might very well be what our humanity is. You know, you know, our dignity over simple biology. Yeah, you know, agreed. I'm reading. And... I'm, I'm listening to Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meeting right now, and it's all about this. And it, like, yeah, it's all about this. It's yeah, it's made me cry more than once. It sounds like, based on that recommendation, we could potentially transition to another recommendation based on the large concepts and questions and themes that not only the show as a whole brings, but this episode specifically. Um, And here to recommend for the unrecommendable (laughs) is Lisa K. Weber. Lisa's about to recommend Looney Tunes or some shit. (laughs) No, no. My recommendation is very, very on topic. (laughs) All right, let's go. What is it? Um, I'm going to recommend a book of poetry called The Flame. Um, I picked it up randomly at Barnes and Noble like a few weeks ago, and I've just been reading it bit by bit like every morning. It's um, the last published a volume of poetry written by Leonard Cohen. Um, It Mm. was published right after he passed away. And um, so a lot of what's in there is about this kind of, um, you know, he's, he's kind of, he knows he's in the twilight of his life. He's, he's approaching the end. And so a lot of the poems are kind of these meditations on the life that he's lived and what it means when he's gone and um, so I just, uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm recommending this very extremely beautiful and profound book of poetry called The Flame. Absolutely beautiful recommendation and beautiful discussion today for a beautiful mm-hmm. episode of this beautiful show. Um, I guess that brings us to the inevitable end. A reminder that all things beautiful eventually perish. <laughs> oh man, I, there's no way I'm gonna be able to end that gracefully. No possible way. I think you did great. Yeah. I think I did pretty good. I think I did pretty good. This is great. Okay, so that is the end of this discussion for today. We will be picking it up and talking more about the rest of this season starting next Tuesday, where we will be back for season three, episode five, which is Contorno. And ooh, it's a doozy. Um, you can always help us by subscribing, sharing, and leaving a nice comment. Emphasis, Emphasis on, on nice. nice. <laughs> it is not Twitter. <laughs> Leave a nice comment, friends. Send your criticisms in an email to info at popsiclepod.com. No, and don't do that. Send it in an email to the ether. Oh, sorry. Send it in an email to the ether because we actually don't care to hear your criticisms. Um, Info at ether.com. Exactly. Info, Info at ether.com. Yourmomshouse.com. <laughs> send your suggestions and comments. Great. So. Oh. <laughs> 
sogno. Until next time, attraversiamo. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.